Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Breaking Bread. I'm your host, Dr. Weech. I want to thank you for being with us again here this evening. Uh, once again, we are real time. If I like to field questions, any questions, um, no matter what they are, I always say you will get an answer to whatever question you have because a lot of people uh, have questions about the Bible. A lot of people are turned off and won't read the Bible because they say they don't understand. So this is always an opportunity where we feel questions. Nevertheless, real time, the number to call in if you want to participate with the program, 321-345-WGGF, 321-345-9443, 321-345-WGGF. I have a lot of things I want to deal with today. I want to share some things with you with respect to uh, what's happening? We're still in self-quarantine, obviously. Uh, hopefully, many of you are using this time to uh, spend with family, using this time to study, using this time to pray. Pray. Uh, listen, I was saying to myself before you know we were coming on, the angels should be in overtime to the throne, breathing. Oh, uh, Lord Almighty, Most High God, them them saints just praying, and they got us working overtime. Working to work these prayers. I mean, this is a time when they should be in high gear because we are stationary. We were sitting still. So they should be. I'm, I'm picturing them at the throne. Lord, most high God, most high God. Oh, ooh, breathing hard because we saints, we should be uh, uh, just just sending up those prayers uh, 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 night and day. We should be in our prayer circles. We should be in our own prayer closets. We should be in our war room uh, sending those prayers up. So we're still in quarantine. We're still in this Corona thing. Uh, I want to. Say I was talking to one of the brethren, and he was saying, you know, it's funny how the media is on one message. The media is on one message, and that message have been has been constantly telling us coronavirus, coronavirus, uh, uh, C19, whatever it is, the corona, the corona, corona. The message has been consistently with this, and 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 I always say that the news is somewhat to program you, okay. And if they've been doing this constantly, 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 and they're telling you. You need the mask, you need the gloves, you need to be in this time. And I'm looking at all of this, and it seems like society, communities, uh, almost the world has been, their lives has been adjusted because of this corona message. Because of the corona message. And, and we were saying, this corona is like a God because people are being obedient to the instruction as they listen to the media, and they're doing what the media tell us, tells them to do. Wearing the mask, wearing the gloves, being in a certain time. We see how they have been constantly overrunning us and people have been making the adjustment for the sake of Corona. And I said, man, can you imagine if the saints, the body of believers, the body of the Messiah, the body of Christ would be on one message of gospel of the kingdom? But because remember, Jesus, the Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah says, until this message of the kingdom is preached and presented, then the end comes. So the end can't come yet because the message of the kingdom has not been preached to everyone. And I'm saying we concluded that imagine if the body of Christ, the church, the remnant, would get on one message and talk about the kingdom of the most high Elohim God, who he has seated the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua the Messiah on his throne. Imagine if we take that in constantly. Imagine if the churches would be on that message constantly, talking about the kingdom, talking about the truth. Because remember, the Messiah says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man gets to daddy but through me. And if he says I'm the truth, and remember he says truth makes people free. That means we should be teaching as, as educators, as clergymen, as messengers of the gospel, as witnesses of this message. We should be telling people more about how to have a sound relationship 
with their Savior, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. More importantly, we should be telling people how to operate efficiently as a kingdom citizen. We should be telling people that this is how you can become a proficient and effect and, and operate efficiently in the kingdom of God. So we was concluding, imagine we as believers will get on this one message and just and just stay in a concerted effort, kingdom, the Messiah, the love of the most high God. Watch how people will adjust their lives because we're seeing now how the media is constantly telling us about this disease. So I'm going to challenge us as believers in this time. Let's just sit still and see what's happening. But more importantly, let's allow the prayers to go up before the most high God, the throne of God. Let those angels who, who are sent as messengers to assist in, in, in trickling this down and pushing this thing back and minimizing this. Because I do believe there's some things operating where uh, uh, there's some manipulation of the system and there is some kind of... Uh, not genuineness into the whole process. So let's be mindful of that. So I said, imagine if we as believers can get on this one accord and hear the gospel, present the gospel, receive the gospel. And in the meantime, if they're telling us to be quarantined, guess what? I think it's a time where we should kind of be happy where we can take this time to spend with family. We can take this time to read our word. We can take this time to uh, uh, study with the family. We can take this time because, listen, remember what? Our Heavenly Father was doing sending his only begotten son, the down payment of love. He was doing his best to restore the kingdom. He was doing the best to restore his family that was fractured as a result of sin. That was the purpose of sending the Messiah. So if we have to sit down and sit still, hey, I tell, I tell people uh, the most. I remember I had to go out of town and my mother was concerned with me going to a certain place. And I said, you know, God is not limited to a geographical location. He's the God of the universe. That means he's the God in the other planets and the other galaxies, he's the God of the universe. So if we need a healing, hey, God can have sin that anointing through the TV screen or however you're fellowshipping with your other brothers and sisters. We don't have to be there. And I'm telling you, look at the attack that comes with Christianity because sometimes, or when you notice, it's like they want to make uh, those who follow the wave, those who are in the gospel, they want to make people look Silly. They want to make the message look silly. Okay, so let's just be mindful on the attack that they'll bring on uh, the, 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 the message of the good news and the kingdom. And I'm saying we need to be mindful as to how we respond when we tell people about the kingdom. Again, you know, you don't want to say uh, someone who doesn't believe anything, the blood is protected. You just want to say, you know, I have a relationship with Christ and, you know, I believe uh, from what my understanding is, faith in him will uh, get me out of this place. I take the precautions whenever I feel I should. You know, speak to a person where they, they can say, this guy's relatable. You know, I always talk to the brother, and he always say connection. Try to make that connection with that person so they can hear what you're saying and agree with what you're saying, all right? So um, that's what I want to do. But also, uh, we do realize that Passover is coming up tomorrow. Some of us were saying Easter, but I'm going to deal with that tonight. Uh, on this particular teaching, but I want to deal with something as well. Uh, someone sent me a message from um, some sort of prophecy from someone, and uh, I want to kind of get a cl cl clarification, some clarity on it, and then I'll get into the teaching. Uh, again, this was a, 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 a someone sent me this. You know, people send me a lot of information, a lot of videos, a lot of stuff, and whenever I can, I kind of give a little uh, backdrop or some information about it. So I want you to listen to this because this is a prophecy, prophecy that was sent. Uh, you kind of kind of mind the, uh, 
the 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 the, the quality because we had to extract the video from uh, the best way we could. But I want you to listen to this, and I want to bring some point of clarification to this particular information. So listen to this. We'll be right back. So this was a piece of prophecies that someone sent to me. Um, I want to give a kind of clarification because the Bible says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, meaning if a prophecy is false, it will be revealed by another prophet to be false or the thing won't come to pass. But here's the thing. as, As I looked at this, this was sent out as an infomercial because at the end of this particular piece with the video that was sent, it was it said the picture of the guy with the name of the ministry and said more to come. Listen, whenever we give prophecy about people checking out, it has to be made plain and plain, made clear and plain, uh, because someone may see, see this and say, why this man spoke this over this person's life? You know what I mean? And if I'm looking at prophets in the Bible, whenever prophecy came that God did in fact send judgment, let me just say, uh, the judgment of this world was mandated. The Messiah, Jesus said, judgment of this world has come because they're coming to kill me. So he says, when we reject the Messiah, that's where the wrath of God is on our lives. That's the reality. I tell people our contention is to whether or not we're going to believe the claim that Jesus is Lord. That's our contention. So Whenever we look at the prophets prophesy and, 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 and the Most High God is sending judgment, he, in fact, uh, is very specific and he makes the prophecy plain and he gives an overwhelming amount of evidence to the prophet so he has a witness. And even in the midst of that, we see the prophet wailing, saying, Lord, please stop. And he's petitioning uh, the Most High God. Moses petitioned for Israel, saying, don't do it to him, don't bring the judgment. Abraham uh, petitioned for light in the city of Sodom. Uh, Ezekiel petitioned for the people, Jeremiah petitioned for the people, Isaiah petitioned for the people. We see prophets petitioning. And if it doesn't come to pass, there needs to be some clarity as to why this happens. Secondly, it just wasn't this particular basketball player. His daughter and other people in the plane died a tragic death. And I just don't see how uh, uh, the Most High God is magnified in this. And I'm saying not to say he's right or wrong. God will judge and you be the judge. I'm saying from my experiences and me looking at biblical prophecy, uh, 
we, we, we have to be clear because people will look at this and like, wait, God killing folks? God don't kill. The thief still kills and destroys. God came that we can have life and have life abundantly. Remember, the two disciples or apostles were walking with the Messiah and say, should we call fire down from heaven? And Jesus turned to him. Yeshua said, man, you don't know what spirit you of. I didn't come to kill nobody. I came to save. So let's be mindful uh, of these uh, uh, things, what we speak, especially as, re- as religious leaders, because God don't want you coming to him out of fear. You know what I'm saying? You know, somebody say, oh, you're going to die if you don't give your life to Christ. Well, that is kind of the judgment. And the Bible says that we don't need to bring fear upon people. I think we need to remember what the Messiah says or what the word says, what Jeremiah says, with loving kindness will God draw people. And we have to remember how the most high God Elohim described himself to Moses when he put Moses in that cleft of the rock. And he said, the Lord, the Lord, merciful and kind, forgiving and loving. He describes himself as loving. So he says in Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in that one soul dying. So I think whenever if we are operating in the capacity of a prophet and I uh, am walking that office of apostolic, I can bring clarity and correction and order. We need to be plain because it wasn't just the basketball player that checked out. His daughter checked out. His other other people checked out. So other family members were affected. And we can't take this as to say valid. This validates my prof, my, my ministry or validates me as a prophet because I would be willing. I would be using this as anything. We see Elisha went to go anoint. I think it was Jehu, a king or one of the kings. If it wasn't Jehu. And he started weeping. And he says, why are you weeping? Because I know you finna do some evil things. And I'm weeping now that you're going to do it and you won't turn your heart from doing it. We as believers need to weep and well when people are lost and they don't know the most high God. That is the most important thing because, again, the most high God takes no pleasure in not one soul dying. So I want to bring a point of clarification to that. You don't come to God and feel. I tell you, I feel the most high God when I come out of his hedge of protection. When you come to understand your heavenly father and the love, his down payment of love, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua, our savior. You just are motivated by love because I tell you uh, plainly, whenever you look at someone and you appreciate them, you uh, care about them, you don't want to do nothing to hurt that person. You don't want to do anything to hurt that person. You just want to do things that please that person. And so if we're understanding the love of God, we're not motivated by fear. We know, John says perfect love casts out fear. We're not motivated by fear. The most high God is your daddy. He don't want you to fear him. He wants you to feel what could happen. You come out of that protective custody. You know what I mean? I mean, I can never forget once I was doing all kind of crazy stuff. And I was talking to my mother and I said some things. Can you imagine this? And I saw the grief in her face and it kind of motivated me to kind of like fall back a little bit and change my ways. Because I don't want to bring a certain kind of hurt in her life if she was to hear some bad news about me. So, again, we are motivated by loving the people we appreciate. So I just want to spend some time on that to say, you know, let's be mindful if you're going to prophesy not to be so vague. But we have to be plain, especially when we're putting it in this kind of light. And it's a prophecy of that magnitude. And we definitely have to make it plain as to exactly what we're saying and what we're dealing with. All right. So with that being said, we're going to get into the teaching after this. I wanted to deal with that. I want to deal with some things. Um, uh, I'm going to. This is going to be a two-part series. Um, we have a documentary that we put out a little time, some time ago, and we're going. It was on a limited uh, viewing, but we're going to do it again. I'm going to run a commercial list again. I'm going to go into these commercials, and we're going to get right into it. 
I may not finish, but we're going to get right into it, and we're going to be right back. This is uh, Breaking Break. Be right back. There's a saying, pressure burst pipes or pressure will burst diamonds. When you encounter pressure in your life, you need to be the diamond that comes forth. Abba Theological Seminary helps you become the gem the Most High God created you to be. Abba Theological Seminary has various programs ranging from the arts, such as videography, to becoming a biblical scholar in theology. Abba Theological Seminary has degree programs in ministerial vocations starting from the associate level, allowing you to work to earn your doctoral degree. Abba Theological Seminary is a fully functional online educational institution providing our students with a rigorous curriculum, access to seasoned professors, and a vast amount of online resources to assist our students along their journey. Don't hesitate. Call an advisor today. For more information, log on to www.atsedu.info. That's atsedu.info. Or you can call 954-324-7280. Again, that's www.atsedu.info or call 954-324-7280. Again, that's 954-324-7280. Hey, what's up, family? I want to invite you to tune in to Breaking Bread Live. Breaking Bread Live comes on every Tuesday at 7 p.m. right here on this network. It's recorded live, and we take questions from our participating audience. If you have a question, just text in your question, and we'll answer it on the program. So if you're hungry, seek the bread of life. And if you're looking for understanding, let's break bread together. Welcome back. We are here, and I'm going to go right into our study. I got a lot of information I want to cover. And I may not finish it today because this teaching will be twofold. Um, when we look at this teaching, we're going to uh, have some form of clarification. Again, that documentary you can watch online, and the uh, it's still up. It's a free documentary, so if you want to take a look at that, you can. It's free. It's online. It's free. You can take a look at it. And we're going to talk about diseases. Remember we were talking about diseases and we were saying the contaminant that has been in some of the form of worship. So let's get into a prayer and we go right into it. Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Open our hearts and our minds to the doors of understanding that we can receive a clarity of scripture, that we can uh, remove anything that hinders us from walking in the light, walking in the knowledge of your word and walking in clarity, O King. Uh, cleanses of our sins and let us hear clearly what your word says and let us hear what you are saying through your word through the power of your holy spirit and we surrender now to your name and your word in your precious son name we pray for healing amen 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 all right so we uh we've been talking about diseases and i've been saying how i really believe that uh the scripture that rings out to me a three i'm going to read them now deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 15 it says and the lord will take away from all from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you've known upon you but will lay them upon them that hate you okay see here so our heavenly father says he's removing the diseases he's removing the diseases and he won't put none of the sickness upon you uh, when we go to Exodus chapter 23 verses 22 Exodus chapter 23 verses 22 it says but if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your own adversaries. Oh, no, go to verse 24. Verse 24 is what I want. 
Exodus 23, verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. All right. Again, he's saying he's going to take that sickness away from the midst of us, midst of us. And he's saying, don't try to inquire after their gods. OK, uh, our last scripture is Exodus 15, verse 26, Exodus 15, verse 26. Look what it says and said, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought you, brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. All right, so clearly what the Bible says is that when we try to serve other gods or when we try to look at the practices of what other people are doing and we embrace their belief systems, we embrace their practices, then that will be problematic for our relationship with the Most High God, Elohim. And we understand that James says, if you're going to be friendly to the world, I mean, you want to adopt their belief system, you want to do what they do, then you're an enemy with God. John reiterates this point. So he's saying we can't be wavering between two opinions. We have to be kingdom citizens, kingdom participants, and that means we've been born again through acceptance of the king, baptized and filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, or we're going to do the things that are not conducive to the kingdom, or we're going to do things that may disrupt kingdom. So remember, the Messiah says there are only two sides. You're either rolling with me or you're rolling against me. All right, so those are the two sides we have to contend with. And I said, uh, God has, uh, uh, the Messiah has clearly identified kingdom of darkness, and he's clearly said the kingdom of Elohim God. So we have to be mindful as the remnant people in church. We can't compromise the message saying we have to do things for this sake or we'll offend this people. Because, again, if we're inquiring how they do things, then we're acquiring all the things that are attached to those belief systems. All right. So um, we're looking at Passover. All right. We're going to look at Passover. If we go to um, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Oh, my gosh. Exodus chapter 12. We will look at Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Now, Passover is tomorrow evening, and it lasts until April 16th. And right after Passover, we go right into the Feast of Unleavened Breads. Now, many believers say Easter. We celebrate Easter, and that's coming up. Now, I want to give a point of clarification between those two. Remember now, our president, the president was talking about how it would be wonderful for people to go to church on Easter. He meant Passover, okay, because there's no Easter as a believer, okay. I'm going to clarify these points right now, the importance of stressing and understanding why we as believers need to be taking part in the Passover. So when you go to Exodus chapter 12, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, for fathers a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of his souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, mark that without blemish, 
Men of the first year, you should take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep until the 14th day of the same month, Mark 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper doorpost and of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remains of it till the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite, or I, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Watch this. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Okay? Number one, we need to realize that what is happening here is the last plague. Uh, the Most High God, Elohim, sent Moses, and he, in fact, sent Aaron. Uh, and this was kind of a form of a trinity, a triad, uh, 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 Moses, Aaron, God, God, Moses, and Aaron. And they were dealing with the paganism in Egypt. Now, the, the, the plagues wasn't before the sake of God saying, hey, I just want to do this because I'm, I'm, I want to show how, you know, I want to have a little fun. No, he was literally executing judgment on the gods of Egypt. Okay, he was literally executing judgment on the gods of Egypt. So when the form of flies, the blood, uh, the boils, all of this, these were different gods that God, the deities that the most high God was dealing with. So if we're looking at it, we had uh, Horus was the chief deity. Uh, Isis was a deity for the dead. Horus associated with war. And Pharaoh was considered uh, uh a reincarnation of Horus, or they believe Horus uh, lived in Pharaoh. He was the god of war because he was supposedly strong. Uh, Seth was a deity of weather. That's why you had the darkness. And Ptah, the creator of a craftsman. Ray, the sun deity, which was, again, why God said there's going to be darkness. So as God inflicted the judgment of darkness, the Egyptians was like, where's Ray? Where's Ray? And it was important for Moses to declare these things because he could say, hey, the most high God is going to say darkness and nothing's going to happen. You understand? The most high God is going to clear darkness and you won't be able to see light. So he was inflicting judgment on these particular deities, on these particular gods. Also, we had Hathor, Hathor protector of the women during childbirth or fertility. This is why he came through and said, ah, y'all worshiping this pagan deity as well i'm gonna inflict judgment on that one to let you know that that uh, false god doesn't control life so when we look at verse uh 12 it says for i will pass through the land of egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of egypt both man and beast and against all the gods i will execute judgment literally those plagues was the most high god inflicting judgment on those gods and on those people and as he was inflicting judgment the people were coming to know him to say, hey, this God is the real deal. And this is why when that last judgment was inflicted, some of the Egyptians came out with the Hebrews and say, we, wanna, we want your God to be our God. Okay. And finally, you had Amun. Amun Ra was a chief deity and he was a sun god as well. And uh, Kum, the guardian of the Nile, because remember the Nile turned to blood. So all of these and Imhotep. 
Uh, he was supposed to be the God of healing and Serapis. So clearly, uh, this was a pantheon of gods and the, he, the Egyptians served them. And so what the Most High God was doing when he was telling Moses, Moses, hit the dust. Moses, he go to flies, unleash the frogs, un, uh, make the Nile blood, make it darkness, the boils, then the firstborn. Those were things he was dealing with to uh, 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 judge Egypt. All right. Now, the fact that he's saying apply the blood. Now, immediately we see as we're going to see the fulfillment and the correlation from the old and the new Testament. And when he says apply from the lamb, remember the lamb without blemish, apply blood to the doorpost. So when I see the blood, that is your protection. I'm going to pass over that household. Okay. This is why we look at Psalm 91. It says, no sickness will come near your tent. You've applied the blood to your doorposts. Now, um, let's take a look at uh, uh, Leviticus 17.11 to see why he says apply the blood. Now, remember, this is the most high God dictating the rules. And we have to apply and line up with whatever he's saying. Okay. All right. So in uh, Leviticus 17 verse 11. He says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. When he's saying take the blood, he's literally saying when you take this blood, I will consider it a life that has already been given on your account for your sins, for your misdeeds that you do against me. So this is why he said, take the lamb and apply it to the doorpost because that lamb symbolized that a life was already atoned for the life he was taking. Okay. So remember, if he didn't see the blood, he was taking the life of the firstborn. And that was to inflict the judgment. Because again, remember, our contention is if we will accept the Lord as our savior. Will we accept the blood that he shed to be our Passover? That's our contention. And that's exactly what the Egyptians were dealing with. God wasn't killing folks. God prescribed a remedy to avoid or to avert the judgment. They didn't heed the call. Again, we have to realize that as Moses was going out proclaiming this, he was telling the, uh, the Hebrews, some of the Egyptians were hearing this because some of the Egyptians were able to leave with the Hebrews. All right. So when the Bible says it says it was a mixed multitude that came out. Now, um, go to back. Go back to uh, Exodus chapter 12. Go go back to Exodus chapter 12. Go back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. It says, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Watch this. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Remember now, when we embrace other gods and the way that they worship. Or remember he says, we read the scripture where the Most High God says, don't inquire after these gods. Okay, so when he says the plague won't be on you, if we encounter or we go to seek after these other gods, the plague of sin, which is some form of idolatry, whether we know it or not. This is why he says, worship me the way I have told you. We got to understand that the Old Testament and New Testament is, it means covenant. All right? It literally means a contract. It means a binding agreement. 
So when God said the Old Testament, it was a binding agreement. When he said the New Testament, it was a binding agreement. How is the binding agreement solidified? With the life. Okay? With the life. So the life is in the blood. So now we see when we look at the Hebrews, they were participating or practicing an early form of acceptance of the Savior. They were practicing an early form and acceptance of the Savior. Now, I remember when uh, the Messiah talks in the New Testament, he tells the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says, y'all believing in Moses. If y'all really knew Moses and who he was and what he talked about, y'all would be happy to see me because Moses wrote about me. He talked about me. When we look at uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those books amplify, highlight the Messiah. It screams Jesus the Christ. It screams Yeshua the Messiah. When we really get into the depths of it, we understand the procedures of the tabernacle. We understand the procedures of, this, of, of the civil law. We understand of the moral law. These things scream Messiah. These things scream Jesus. This is why it says, Moses was talking about me. All right, now, let's bring it to uh, New Testament and fulfillment so I can show you how uh, when God was telling the people to do this, he was literally saying, hey, I'm just showing y'all, y'all doing this, paving the way for my only begotten son. Okay. This is just an early form of following my only begotten son. And this is to be done in faith to assure you that I'm going to send my only begotten son. So these people practice these, these people practice this particular uh, festival and they practice it in the sense of faith. God is sending his Messiah. The Most High Elohim is sending his Messiah. All right. Now let's go to John chapter one, verse twenty nine. John chapter 1, verse 29. All right. Now, remember we, I told you to highlight that portion where it says, take of a lamb. John 1, 29 says, the next day John sees Jesus coming, Yeshua coming to him and says, behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Remember, we read in Exodus, he says, take the blood. The plague will be, the plague will be off you when I see the blood, the lamb. John is the one sent before uh, uh, the Messiah because remember he says in, uh, I think it was Malachi, I will send my messenger before you. And literally what this is, since Christ, the Messiah, is a king, you had to have a herald, so to speak, to go before to say the king is coming. If you look at these movies uh, and they have the, uh, I forget this time period, the time period when they had the swords or what have you, uh, medi medieval times, and they sent the king to, they would send a messenger and say, the king is coming. The king is coming. Prepare the way for the king. And that's what John was. John was the herald to say, hey, prepare the way of the Messiah. All right, again, if you have any questions, 321-345-9443, 321-345-WGGF. All right, so we see he says, this is God's lamb. He's taking away the sins of the world. Now, how is he going to do this? How is he going to do this? Let's go to John chapter 3. Go to John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Go to John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Here, Christ is having a discussion with the religious establishment and the people. And they're saying, well, you know, Moses did X, Y, Z. Moses did X, Y, Z. And Moses uh, has, has given us the bread and this and that. And this is what his response is. He says, all right, let's go to verse 13, actually. John chapter 3, verse 13. It says, and no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, this is a period when the Messiah is talking about as the people were in the wilderness, the people were uh, craving meat. And God sent snakes because they were complaining in the camp. And he said, take one of those snakes, an image of it, and put it and put it on a stick and hold it up. And as the people looked up to the serpent, they were healed. All right. And so literally what that was symbolism of was the witchcraft because people were def- defying what God gave them and was saying what you've given us isn't enough. We're not even satisfied with what you're giving us. And literally they didn't realize that when God was giving them the food and the manna, that was the best that they could have. And so it's the same thing. The Lord, our Savior, was sent to us. And this was God's best gift. And literally people reject him. And when you reject him, it is an anti-God agenda. It is a spirit of witchcraft that will deny him. Okay? And so when he says, hey, just as Moses lifted up a serpent, I must be lifted up. And what we do when we look to the cross, we believe in him. He's our Passover. The plague is lifted off us. The wrath of God is lifted off us. Okay? That's why we be so quick to send people to hell. It says if you reject him, all you got to do is believe in him. Because if you believe in him, you're going to have a certain level of belief to do what he says. Okay? If you believe you could do something, you're going to make an effort to do it until you succeed at doing it. That's why he says believe. And then again, the verse that we're all familiar with. Uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believing in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Watch this now. This is what I was talking about in the beginning. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. All right? Because here's the judgment. He that believes on him is not condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in the Messiah, Christ, Yeshua, Jesus. But he that does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. All right. So the condemnation comes when we don't believe in him. Now, let's go to John chapter six to show you how this Old Testament was fulfilled. In John chapter six, verses uh, uh, 53, John chapter six, verses 53. Look what the Messiah says. John chapter six, verse 53. Look what he says. Okay, it looks like I'm going to finish what I'm talking about. Today. Excellent. So John chapter 6, verse 53. If you have a question, 321-345-9443. 321-345-WGGF. All right. So in John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said, Yeshua said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Why is he saying this? Do you recall? Uh, Moses told the people, message from the Most High God, Elohim, take the lamb, cook the lamb, eat the lamb with others in your household. This is why the Bible says, Paul gets to Revelation and says, if you save, the Most High God will save your household. Why? Because whoever ate the lamb, everybody in the household ate the lamb in the Passover ceremony. So that means when you Live for the Messiah, and you're the only one saved in that household. Keep living for God. Keep living for the Most High God. He's going to save your whole household because everybody going to eat of that Passover lamb, which is Jesus the Christ, Yeshua the Savior. Okay? Now watch this. He says in verse 44, Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me 
and I in him. As the Father has sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eats me, even he shall live it by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but that eats of this bread shall live forever. All right. Because the people were saying, Moses gave our fathers bread. What can you give us? And the Messiah says, well, listen, I am the real bread that came down from heaven. Nobody went up. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm giving what was given to me. This is straight from the master's mouth. Okay. This is straight from the most high God's mouth. What I'm telling you, what I'm doing. He sent me to you. So when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not talking about any forms of cannibalism of the occult. When we practice with the, uh, the Lord's Supper, when we eat that, uh, that bread and drink of that wine, quote unquote, uh, we're literally practicing the Lord's Supper. And this is how we're participating in the Lord's Supper during this time. We're seeing the, we're seeing the fulfillment of it. The most, most high God isn't saying, eat my flesh, cook me, and then drink blood. He's not telling us to do that. That's the occult. He's saying, when you practice in the Lord's Supper in the ceremony, you're fulfilling this particular practice and you're doing what the Old Testament agreement was uh, literally standing for. You're fulfilling it now in the new in the new agreement, the new covenant, the New Testament. All right. So let's see the manifestation of this. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 22. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 15. Oh, let's go to verse 13. Let's go to verse 13. In Luke chapter 22, verse 13, it says, and they um, um, and they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was coming, sat down with the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not eat any more until it be filled in the kingdom of God. Now, the reason why it says he's going to suffer, when you, when they, I mean, the, this lamb was killed. This lamb was bait, boiled, and, 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 and lost a life. So in this process, the Messiah says he's suffering. Understand why he suffered. Oh, my gosh. The weight of the world of sin was laid upon him. The Bible says his stripes were healed. It said the government should rest upon his shoulders. He said, oh, I have a baptism in high. I am stressed till it be accomplished. We need to understand the, the magnitude of sin that the Messiah held for us, okay? And his motivation was saying, man, because I love daddy. And the father's motivation was because I love the people I created. I love the world so much. I just don't want to destroy everything and everybody in it. I love y'all. So understand, the Bible says before Christ undergone this suffering, before the suffering transpired, he was sweating so bad it was drops of blood. We, we can't imagine the punishment he went through. I mean, that's unfathomable. He's God, never tasted death, and he says he succumbs and he encounters darkness and he's gone straight to hell because death is hell. Okay. He had the weight of sin on his back, and I'm telling you, when I think about the weight of that sin, it, 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 it chokes me up because it's like, man, what's wrong with God? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like man, I want to do this. I mean, you can't, you can't fathom the love. But nevertheless, it says, verse 16, 
I got to hurry. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in God's kingdom. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the, also the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new testament. Remember, the new agreement, the new contract, the new arrangement, the new promise in my blood. This is why when we pray, we have to pray in Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name. Why? Because the New Testament is brought upon or, or fulfilled or enacted or is arraigned or sealed through his blood. Remember, we said the only way you get an arrangement when we're dealing with God is through a life being, being taken. All right. A life. So a life for the lamb sealed the contract. And now God is saying, this is what that lamb meant. I'm sending my son to die for the sins of the world. This is the lamb of God. All right. Now, this is why it's important, because other faiths may tell you that Jesus didn't die or other faiths may say he's not the Messiah. It's very important that we embrace this Passover because we embrace this Passover, meaning the wrath, the plague that has been sent. It's passed over us. It passes over us. That's why I say when you got the blood on your life and you have a relationship with the Messiah and you got the spirit of God living in you, your kingdom citizen, you, you, you're not worried about sickness. No sickness will come your way. I'm not telling you not to take precautions when you're doing stuff because if someone's bleeding, you should put on gloves if you're trying to taper down or deal with that bleeding. You still use wisdom. All right. Now, he says in verse 20, this is the cup. Of the new arrangement in blood, which is, is which is shed for you. So now we see how this is the Passover. And even in the fulfillment of this, he's still talking about the Passover. Now, I want to talk about the Easter portion. As believers, we should not be mentioning Easter. And in the very case, we should understand that Easter is not even in the Bible. We should understand that Easter is not even written in the Bible. It's not. Now, I know it's in Acts, uh, one of the books of Acts. I had it here this morning. I don't have it now, but in one of the books of Acts, it says Eastern. I believe in the King James Version. But if we look to the original writings, which is Greek, and the original writing, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, some in Aramaic. And the Hebrew term for uh, Passover is Pesach, and the Greek term for Passover is Pascha, where they have Easter. There is still the word Pascha. It means Passover. Why did they insert Easter? Good question. And more than likely it's because at this point we had King James who was really operating under the Anglican Church, which was the king of England. And remember, I think it was Henry VIII broke away from the Catholic Church because they wouldn't sanction his many marriages. The Pope wouldn't sanction his many marriages. So we say, you know what, we're just going to break away from the Catholic Church. And he declared himself the head of the church. And that's how we got, I believe, the Anglican faith. All right, so... This is why they implemented that to have us celebrate Easter. But I'm going to tell you now, many people say we celebrate Easter because it's the day that the Lord was resurrected. And that's not altogether true. Now, I told you this documentary kind of that, that I played, the trailer for that documentary that I played kind of explains that in detail. But I want to point you to some historical facts. OK, now. I said in Exodus chapter 12, verse 6, it said the 14th day of the month. 
All right, that's important because uh, during, the, I believe it was the second century, there was some contention between the churches in Rome and the churches in the, um, Eastern Asia. And what the churches in Rome wanted to do was change the date of the Passover. They wanted to change the date of the Passover and they wanted to accommodate some or, or, or persuade some pagan uh, worshipers into accepting uh, Christianity. Want to kind of like, uh, I don't want to say deceive, deceive is such a strong word, but kind of wanted to assuage them or kind of pers- uh, uh, persuade them to say, hey, you can come to this faith. We're okay. We'll, we'll embrace your belief, but this is what we need to do. This was a strong contention between, I believe it was Polycrates and Victor. Now, I'm giving you these names so you can look this up because the Passover was still being held by the New Testament church even until the second century. The Passover was held by the uh, uh, New Testament church up until the second century. So there was no such thing as Easter. And so many people like to say, well, we did this or they did this to celebrate the uh, resurrection of the Messiah. But this was not this, this was not the case. There's no biblical evidence for this. And remember, I'm telling you that as believers, we have to be mindful that we do not accept the way they worship. We have to have a strict adherence because if we do what they do, we are subject to the things they're subject to. We, we, we limit the hedge of protection because our belief system has adopted or attached or embraced the wrong thing. And that's problematic. Now, I want to kind of read you, um, if I can, I'm trying to get it right, and I want to read you the letter that uh, Polycrates sent to uh, Victor when there was the contention, because eventually it was smoothed out by Arrhenius, it was smoothed out by Arrhenius, and everything was well. Now, here's what Polycrates writes, because I want I want us to rid us, rid us of this Easter thing. I remember I went to a church and uh, we were ministering with some other brothers, and I say, you know, Easter uh, is not about eggs. But no matter how you try to remove eggs from Easter, you're going to always have that because that is the custom that is attached to the name. I mean, you think about that. When Easter time shows up, you see a bunny rabbit. Easter shows up, you see eggs. You see Easter egg hunts and churches. That has absolutely nothing to do with the resurrection of the Messiah. It, uh, tell me how. Tell me how. But why do you have that during the time of Passover? Because you're acknowledging or embracing Easter, and with Easter, you're allowing those pagan practices to come in. You got to realize that this so-called Easter thing, that, and, and, and theologians and historians always say there's not much finding upon it. They're extracting from different writings of what they've seen. It's literally another reinvented form of worshiping a Shira. Okay, Astarte. This was what we talked about when we did a study on this some time ago when I said the, the, the gods that this culture still worships are the same pagan deities that the Hebrews struggled with. And remember we said Asherah or Astarte, which the King James Bible uh, defines, is the grove. This was a sex cult. And so why do you have a bunny and an egg? The bunny is, remember, a bunny is very fertile. And you have the egg, which is the offspring. So this was very much a, a sexual cult that was taking place. That's why whenever you see Easter, you often see the rabbit. 
you often see the egg. But if you say Passover, the adversary don't want you to talk about that Passover because that Passover continuously reminds him he was defeated by the blood. <laughs> he was defeated by the blood. Now, here's what it says when we look this up, because this was a strong contention. Uh, the church history, historian wrote, here's what Eusebius records that Polycrates wrote. He wrote this letter to victim. Look what he says. We observed the exact day, and they were called the quarter decimans. And the quarter decimans mean the 14th, meaning they took a strict adherence to the date of the original Passover as was prescribed in the Bible. Okay, you look it up. I'm giving you point of reference. They were called the quarter decimans, a strict adherence to the Passover, not Easter. They say we will not embrace the pagan practice or the gods. We will not even inquire how you are trying to do this. Look what he says. We observe the exact day, neither adding nor taking away. For in Asia also great lights have fallen asleep, which shall rise again on the day of the Lord's coming, when he shall come with glory from heaven, and shall seek out all the saints. Among these are Philip, one of the twelve apostles. This is what he wrote now. Who fell asleep in Heropolis, and his two and virgin daughters, and another daughter, who lived in the Holy Spirit, and now rests at Ephesus. Moreover, John, who was both a witness and teacher, who reclined upon the bosom of the Lord, and being a priest, wore the sacerdotal plate. He fell asleep at Ephesus, and Polycarp in Smyrna, who was a bishop and martyr, and Thracy's bishop and martyr for Eumenia, who fell asleep in Smyrna. Who need I mention the bishop and martyr of Sagaris, who fell asleep in Laodicea, or the blessed Papirius of Melito the eunuch, who lived altogether in the Holy Spirit, who lives in Sardis, awaiting the episcopate from heaven, when he shall rise from the dead. All these observe the 14th day of what? The Passover, not Easter, according to the gospel, deviating in no respect, but following the rule of faith. And also I, Polycrates, the least of you all, do according to the tradition of my relatives, some whom I followed closely from the seventh of my relatives were bishops. I am the eighth. And my relatives observed the day when the people put away the leaving. I, therefore, brethren who live 65 years in the Lord, have met with brethren throughout the world and have gone through the, every scripture. Look what he's saying. I'm examining scripture and I can't see anything that tells me to listen to you, to tell me to deviate from what the most high God's word is telling me. I, therefore, brethren who've lived, um, sorry, scripture and not a frightened by terrifying words. And he said, I don't care if you're saying you're going to excommunicate me. You're not moving me by what you're going to do. Because Victor was uh, uh, threatening to excommunicate them. For those greater have said, we ought to obey God rather than men. I commissioned the bishops who were present, whom I summoned at your desire, whose name should I write them, will constitute a great multitude. And they, beholding my littleness, gave their consent to the letter, knowing that I did not bear my gray hairs in vain, but have always governed in my life the Lord Jesus. Basically what uh, Polycrates is saying is we're going to keep the 14th day what the Bible has told us to do. While you try to implement some other stuff and you go in and inquire after other gods, you do that. So, in other words, he's saying, and I'm telling us, this is why I keep saying, we need to stay and do what the book says. We listen to a lot of teachings, and we need to go and do what the book says. That's why it's not an accident that we are huddled up in our homes in a time such as this. So, it gives us time to look at scriptures with our families. Now, again, right after Passover... We go right into unleavened breads and unleavened bread literally symbolized the practice is you would remove all unleavened breads out of the home and you would uh, and unleavened bread uh, literally meant 
which symbolized sin. Now, during this time, what the people did, in fact, eat, they ate what was called matzah, the bread. And the bread was very flat. I got to go get some. The bread was very flat and it had no living. And they would eat that for the eight days. And that symbolized, um, oh my gosh, that symbolized the removal of sin. That's why you say when spring cleaning comes, people clean up the house. This is what they're doing. You, you have to understand. You can't amalgamate the unclean practices. You have to stay strict. You have to keep a strict adherence because of Satan is slick. Now, I'm going to finish this teaching next week because there's some other things I want to deal with. But again, Passover is uh, tomorrow evening. And if you need some um, 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 information, you can uh, email us and we'll get some information to you. Right after that, Passover is Unleavened Bread. And I didn't get a chance to get to that, but you can look it up in the Bible. Again, you're not mandated to keep any of these things, but I definitely want you to stay away from that term of Easter because that is the calling of other things. And we see polycrates defend it vigorously, continue for the faith, say we will stick to a strict adherence to what God's word says. Friends, I got to get out of here. I thank you for tuning in. We have another show coming up after this. Let me bless you in the name of the Lord. Yerika Gadonavish Mureka, Yaradonai Panavaleka for Huneka, Yisa Adonai Panavaleka for Shimleka Shalom. And that simply means may the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord lift his face upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord shine his countenance upon you, that the name of the Lord is upon you. His word says he will bless you. Shalom, friends, and see you next week. Hello, family, and thanks for tuning in to Breaking Bread on this network. Breaking Bread is supported by contributions of individuals and entities that donate to this organization. If you supported this organization, we want to say thank you and to all our sponsors. Your continued support is appreciated and makes it happen. If you would like to send a donation to support this program, you can mail it to 1728 Northeast Miami Gardens Drive, Suite 135, North Miami Beach, Florida, 33179. Again, that's 1728 Northeast Miami Gardens Drive, Suite 135, North Miami Beach, Florida, 33179. Please connect with us by logging on to g2gfoundation.org. That's G, the number two, G, foundation.org. We are community-oriented and believe in community outreach, mentorship, investing in our youth via spiritual and educational empowerment. We'll see you next week, family, and tell us you want to tune in same time next week on this network. Shalom.